The following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. So good. So just to let you know, so this morning, um, uh, Pastor Brian has, has, is having some tr- trouble with his tonsils. And so this morning, it was evident that he was not supposed to preach. Um, he's, he's having some complications. He's going to have his tonsils out soon. Um, if you would just pray for him. So he said, wife of 20 years who has never been short on words, will you fill in for me? <laughs> and so here I am. And so, you know, God has interrupted our regularly scheduled program. And... Um, to, to bring a word to us. And so I'm as surprised as you are, um, but I'm also confident that we serve an awesome God and that we serve a God who wants to meet us right where we are. Our pastor is a strong man of God. Like I said, I've been married to him for 20 years. Five children later, we, we are not short on trials. We are not short, short on struggles, but we are full of God and full of his grace and full of his mercy. And so this morning, I just want to pray for all of us um, to hear what heaven has for us today. He's going to change our lives today. Let's expect it. Let's expect God to move mightily. He is a mighty God. He is not short on miracles. He is not, his hand has not been shortened. He can reach all of us right where we're at, even in our mess, even in our struggles, even in our weakness, even in our not being fixed and not being complete. So let's pray. Lord God, we just lift up our incredible pastor, Lord. We lift him up this morning, and we just thank you. We thank you for him. We speak life, healing, and wholeness over him. We thank you, Lord God, that as we decrease in life, Lord, you promise that you're going to increase. And we just ask this morning, Lord God, that you would pour out your spirit in unprecedented ways. Lord, speak to us about your heart, your heart for your church, your heart for your for your people, Lord God, and what you have ignited and united us to do. So I pray, Lord God, that any ideas that I have might fall away, and everything that you want to say, Lord God, will be said today. And Lord, that open our ears to hear. Lord God, you never convict us of sin to condemn us. You convict us of sin to cleanse us, to, to invite us into freedom. And so I just pray that we will all hear that invitation today, and that, Lord, we just we come expectant expectant for you to move mightily in our life with all the messes and all the triumphs and the things that we're so good at and the things that we're not. We bring it all to you this morning. I bless every single person that's here, all of our faithful children, ministry workers, Lord God, and all of those amazing next generation of world changers. We ask, Lord God, that you would just pour out your spirit in this place. We're hungry, Lord. We're hungry for you. We're hungry for your word. We're hungry for your truth. Show us where we're off course so we can make a course correction with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. I'm not sure what I'm doing wrong, so I'm just going to stand still as long as I can. All right. So, um, you know, our culture and the American culture, the American culture of, of even Christians, has changed drastically in the last 15 years. I think you would probably agree that if you've been in church that long, can I just see by a show of hands, do you, do you see the change? And you know, they say that in order to boil a frog, which I'm not really sure why you would, 
But in order to boil a frog, you put a, a frog in water and you just slowly turn up the temperature. And the frog remains and doesn't jump out because he, he's comfortable and it's not a drastic heat, it's a, it's a subtle. And I think so much is for the same for us, that we are in a culture um, of entitlement. We are in, this is, this is what the, the culture dictates through all of our news, through our social media, through our, the commercials that we watch. Everything is, you do you. You do what's right for you. Stay in your own lane. You, you know, if it feels good, then it's okay. We'll rename it, right? Um, and, and all of this push towards the holy or the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I. Right? Um, I was listening to something the other day, and John Maxwell said that, he said, most people think of themselves morning, noon, and right after dinner. Right? And I, I think it's true. It's true that we are in a culture, and it has seeped into the church. It has seeped into the church, and to the point where, again, I don't want us to feel condemned. I want us to feel aware, and to be able to see what the enemy's plan is for all of us, so that we can stand against it, and so that we can speak up, so that we can say, no, this is not the right way. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my church, we will serve the Lord. We are here for a greater purpose than our own fulfillment. We don't come to church to get filled up. We come to church to see others and to love others and to see people that are hurting and to see people that need a word, a touch, a friendly handshake, some, and it's something that is encouraging. That's why we come to church. And, you know, as we become mature Christians, this should not be our feeding. This should be our gathering. This should be our pep rally. This should be our getting ready and, and all studying the same thing on one day. But really, as mature believers, we're called to be in the Word daily. And I get it. I get it. Life is busy. Life is hard. Life is nonstop. I mean, I can tell you that all through this week, we have had probably one of the craziest weeks. Um, and just, you know, in the morning, waking up at 5 o'clock and going till 9 o'clock at night and then kind of falling into bed. But you know what? There's also an invitation. There's an invitation through that. That whatever you're going through, whatever we're going through, it's not while working in our own strength. And sometimes our greatest trials, and I would say probably 99% of the time, of our greatest trials in our life are an invitation to, to ask God, like, this is bigger than me. We're dealing, we, you know, it's, it's not like you get one trial and you, you finish trial 399 and then you go to trial 400, right? 399 lingers and doesn't get fixed and 400 shows up, right? And that's kind of where we're at in, in the scheme of things. But I'll tell you something. It's such an invitation for God to move in amazing ways. God is the God of the impossible. God's not, doesn't want to just empower his people. He wants to dwell with his people. He wants to walk with his people. He wants to share in your burdens. He wants to transform our lives by our dependence on him, not our independence. And sometimes I think, you know, I, I grew up in a world where, in my own mind, it was all about being independent. I need to not need anybody. And you know what? That's a farce. We all need each other. We're not only a family, we're a church body, but we, we need each other. And that's why we gather on Sunday mornings. That's why we invite more people into the fold, because we want to see the world transformed. 
So our text this morning is John 17, 23. And I'm talking this morning about unity. And I think so often, the, the, the last 10 years, I've seen this trend. And, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful truth that we have a destiny. We have a calling. That we have, you know, our gifts. But there's a missing component in that. In that we're called to lay down our lives. And the more we, whatever we focus on becomes bigger in our lives. And so I have seen a trend in the last 10 years of less of laying down your lives, less of of pick up your cross and follow it, and more of it's all about you and what you can do for Jesus. And, And yes, there is a truth in there, but we're missing the component of it's hard, suffering's good, and you know what? It, it, it's not all rosy once you say yes to Jesus, right? But it is out of our test. It's out of our struggles where people are able to see Jesus. You know what? Because we keep going on and we say, God, I trust you in the midst of this. I trust that you're going to work mightily. This morning, you know, we we found out about 8 o'clock, like, okay, Brian, it is not good for him to preach this morning. It would not be a healthy choice. So, you know, I, I, I have to say, just a shout out to my kids. That I, I went and said, hey, I need you to just get up and do your thing and get going and go to church and help as much as you can. And they were just like, okay, let's do it. And that's, you know what, that's what we see Jesus. That's what we see because we are, when, we are, when we have struggles, it's where it gives an opportunity to lay down our lives for one another. It gives an opportunity to say, you know what, it doesn't matter right now if I'm tired. It doesn't matter what happens. Somebody needs me. And, you know, I think church, sometimes we, we get the idea that we're to come to church and to say, how are you? I'm fine. Yes. Oh, yeah, you're fine, too. Oh, good. We're both fine. And neither of us are actually fine, right? Neither of us are actually in a place. But when we're able to bear each other's burden, when we're able to actually trust God in something that's so much bigger than us, that is would level us if we didn't have and we didn't have each other. So this morning I want to talk about unity and I want to read John 17, 23. Um, I'd like to find it. Um, All right, it says, and you know, we've always heard that the Lord's prayer is our Father's. That's really the disciples' prayer. And um, so the Lord's prayer, this is actually Jesus' prayer. And I encourage you to stop and read all of John 17 today. I'm not going to read it um, in its entirety, but I encourage you to take some time with this. But I'm going to start with verse 20, which is on the screen. My, Oh, yeah, I just always wonder what version we have. Okay, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you and I are you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then, and this is the promise, this is the promise that we're looking at today. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. That is such a powerful verse, because what it is saying is that through our unity, through us bearing each other's burdens, through us taking the good, the bad, and the ugly, which we all know we have, right? 
through us being able to share in each other's burdens, the world will see that the Father sent the Son and that he loves us as much as he loves Jesus. That is the most profound thing that I think of one of the most profound things I've ever heard. It's that that unity is the way that the world will see the truth. And yet, we see this overwhelming division with among Christians. We see the divorce rate is a mess. And, we see, and there's even this air in our culture today that says, you know, I need this person for this period of time in my life, but then I might need somebody else for another period of time in my life. And so you wonder why there is so much adversity against our marriages, against our children to divide against us, against us to quit whatever, wherever God has called us so we can go find something easier or, or um, you know, an environment that is less hostile, and even to stop going to church or to a certain church and go find what we think we need. But God, who is exceedingly and abundantly more than all we can ask for or imagine, is working in our lives. He has not been weakened. He is not shortened. He is working exactly in every circumstance in your life to bring you to his heart, to help you walk in freedom, and to help you walk in truth. And so it's no wonder that we have such adversity against Christian marriage. I've often wondered... Would it just be easier? Would it have been easier? And I know it sounds really strange, but if you don't just like being outside of the faith, like do they even really have the struggles that we have? Because we don't get a pass being pastors. We don't get any kind of pass with our kids. Our kids were born with this sin nature just like we were. We don't get any pass. We don't have any kind of harmonious, like we never argue or fight. No. And if, if you know Brian and I very well, we both are very strongly opinionated and usually not about the same thing or often. So, you know, we don't get a pass, but what we do get is an invitation to lay down our lives for each other and to lay down and say, what is truth? What is the truth here? What is God calling us to believe? What is he telling us? And the chance to apologize, the chance to say, you know what? It doesn't really matter how I feel right now. I'm going to lay down my life for for one another. We're going to lay down our lives We get the opportunity just like every single other person. But in this culture, we're in a culture of selfishness. We're in a culture of me, myself, and I, and my problems are greater than anybody else's problems. And I tell you what, if you struggle with feeling that way, go volunteer at Children's Hospital for a week. You will change your opinion. But oftentimes, we're so inundated, and our culture tells us we need to think about it, and our culture tells us we need to fix and and, and make things more comfortable with us, where God is saying, you know what, this is an invitation to trust me. This is an invitation to step away from what you think or feel or living in your own wisdom. This is an invitation to walk with me. And you know what? That is the call. It's an invitation for more the more of God. It's an invitation to step in to an area where we don't have everything in control, where we need to trust him. If you remember George Mueller, he completely lived a life of faith. He never asked one person for money, yet he ran an orphanage. And I don't remember all the specifics of his life, but I know that he basically prayed every single day and food showed up on the doorstep for all his little orphans. 
And so, you know, in, in the art world, we would think that is like irresponsible. And that's what our walk sometimes looks like to the outside world. But when they see us united, when they see God working, when they see that we don't adhere to the wisdom of this world, then they see Jesus. And that's the promise. That's the promise that we stand on. So, you know, I, um, as I said, you know, everybody knows, I think, we have five kids. We probably say it enough times that everyone's got it memorized. So, but when I was, when the kids were really young and weren't even going to school, you know, I would get up early in the morning and read my Bible. And so, you know, I would read my Bible and do my Bible study and have just such holy moments with the Lord. And it would never fail that the kids would, one of them would wake up and come interrupt me. And I just felt like this was just a direct attack from the enemy. And I was like, God, how can you keep them asleep while well, so I can do my Bible study? I'm so holy. And the Lord said, no, you don't love your Bible study. You love your habit. And you know what? It was such an eye-opener to me. I was like, you're right. I like to do what I like to do. And even if it involves my Bible, it doesn't make it holy if my heart's not right. And, you know, it's just such a reminder that it was, it was my, I wanted my morning. And you might think, well, I would do really good to get up early. But you know what? It has to be authentic. We have to be authentic in our relationship with the Lord. Because coming to church doesn't make us a Christian even any more than standing in the garage makes us a car. We have to know this. It is about relationship. It is about I, I, it's my favorite thing. But it is, it, it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you, you know what? Outside, we pray for the world. We want to reach the world. But really, Brian and our hearts are for you. It's for your marriage. It's for your walk. We know that God can supply everything that you need. But I'm telling you, it is for you. And on our watch, we don't want to sit and placate or to be able to tell you and to give you something that makes you feel good without making you understand what it really means to walk with Jesus every day. And we have to pour out our lives. We have to get to the point of being at the end of ourselves. You know, that's what some people say. Oh, the Lord must have trusted you so much to give you five kids. And they make no mistake. This I'm hemmed in on all sides. Hey, I'm a hot mess, right? And the Lord, you know, had me marry a pastor, had me have five little kids. I've got eyes on me. I, I cannot say anything without being heard. And I, I've got accountability, and I still need it. I probably needed 10 kids. But praise God. Five is where we stop. All right. So, you know, in order to live upstream, to, to, to live a life, we, in order to go against the flow, first of all, we need to recognize the flow that's happening. And I, I mentioned that before. We are in a society of self. The, the iPhone, and I don't have the statistics, and I don't want to sound like Joe Biden, so I won't shout any out, but the society since the iPhone, our education has plummeted. Our test scores have plummeted. And we need to know, and this is not a problem of the next generation. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, it's us. It's us. And as I was driving down the road one day, having a very holy conversation with the Lord about, Lord, they're so entitled. Why is this next generation so entitled? And he said, who do you think made them that way? 
And I was like, it's us. It's us. We've given trophies. We've said, you're wonderful. You, you know, we haven't called people out because we didn't want to be called out. Right? And so it is, this is an invitation from the Lord to say, you know what? I'm going to be different. But like I said, first we have to recognize what's going wrong in our society and to know that Jesus doesn't have a plan B. It's us. It's us. It's us being united. It's us dealing with our own stuff. I have my stuff. You have your stuff. Not a one of us is exempt in this room. But it's us dealing with us and saying, okay, Lord, Holy Spirit, show me where I'm wrong. Holy Spirit, show me what you're calling me to. Holy Spirit, show me where I'm consumed with me, myself, and I. When we're able to do that, then God's like, that's that is pliable ground that I can then work with. I think the only time Jesus ever got mad was at the Pharisees. Because, right? Because they were, they were inspecting others' fruits rather than looking at their own. And that doesn't mean if you see somebody in sin that you don't say, hey, friend, I see you're struggling. Doesn't, you know, what can I do to help you? You know, I see that you're doing this and this is not the right way. That doesn't mean that. But that is done in love, in truth, and to the side and not in front of people. But every day, we will all be better people. We can confront ourselves and say, Holy Spirit, show me, shine your light in me. Show me where I need to, to live according to the word. Show me what promises I am. Because fear is as much of a sin, worry as much as a sin, complaining as much as a sin, as drinking too much is as much of a sin. So they're all equal, right? I mean, in terms of, they, they all have consequences, natural consequences. But so, and it's easier to see something that we don't struggle with, right? It's easier to go, oh, I can't believe, you know, Sally does this. It's like um, my um, my cousin, who's a little much younger than me, um, she she was like four or five. I don't know, I guess she was, um, they're probably about three. And so she had been out of, um, pull-ups for like two weeks, right? And so she saw my other little cousin, who was about the same age, and she was like, came to all the adults in the room, and she's like, Justin, wearing pull-ups. And I think we often do that with other people's sin. We've been out of that sin for two weeks, and we're like, we are so far beyond that, right? We are so beyond that. And so, you know, in order to be united, we bear each other's burden. We bear each other's crosses. We, we, don't, we don't shame people for sin, but we help them out. And we call them out in the name of love, not in the name of, I'm not, I haven't been doing that for two weeks, so you should join the, the pride club. Um, but, you know, unity is, is much more than just everybody doing their job or pulling their weight. Unity, if, if Brian and I, Brian does the pool, he takes care of all the outside stuff. Thank goodness he takes care of all of our cars, which we have plenty of them. Um, he takes care of, you know, all our major financial investments, which are not very major. <laughs> and then he, um, and then I take care of the groceries, the bills, the, you know, pretty much the kids, the kids' school, all of that. But if we work, he does his job and I do my job, that's not unity. That's coexisting. And, you know, I think that that is really where the church, the, the globally, we're seeing the church or, or the American church go to is coexisting. 
And so we come to church when we're comfortable or when, when it fits in our schedule and we don't when it's not. And we serve when we, when it's, when it fits and not when it, when it doesn't, we don't. And so, but it's the same goes with parenting. The same goes with, with, you know, we, I want my kids to just, it's our natural flesh and it's the world we live in. I want them to do their part. I'm going to do my part. And, but you know what? That's not really unity. Unity is about bearing each other's burden. Unity is about sacrifice. And that's really our first point this morning is that unity is about sacrifice. It's about laying down our lives for one another. Um, We can't have everything our way. We can't have everything our way in marriage. I want my husband to do certain things that he just doesn't do because probably he's not me and he doesn't think it's important. And you know what? That's not his problem. That's mine. Because unity is about sacrificing for one another. And if he knows that I think it's important, he'll do his best, as a side note. But unity is about going beyond what our responsibilities and what's deemed necessary and saying, how can I make this a better situation? You know, I will tell you, and this is just an all honesty, the enemy wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your children. He wants to destroy your relationships, your close friendships. And he'll work through any willing vessel, even if it dies. And, you know, one day I was standing in my closet, and I'll never forget this moment. And and this is just being honest with you. Um, I, I, I had this overwhelming thought that was not my own and was not of God, obviously, that was like, you have wasted your whole life. You've got to get out of this marriage. And I was like, for a second, I was like, oh, wow. And then I was like, wait, what is this? What is this? And it was a direct demonic attack against my marriage. And then my thought shifted to all of you. And I thought, you know what? I haven't, I don't go out. I don't party. I don't watch romance movies and get caught up in whatever. I, I don't read romance novels. I don't. So if I am struggling with this and I'm up every single morning trying to pour myself, I have the word pour over me and pour myself into God's truth, then how much more so all of you? And so it, 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 it had me begin to pray and to pray for you because I knew that like if we're struggling with this and we're supposed to have it together, how much more so? All of you, and in, in different situations, in different scenarios, you know. But and and that's where I think that God's truth comes forward. If we don't stand, if I didn't stand on God's word and say, "Get behind me, Satan! This is not from you." Where would I be? I we cannot operate in our feelings. My feelings change every day. My feelings—I don't even know if my feelings are safe half the time, right? I am, but not my feelings, because my feelings, you know, they're just as, as fluid as yours are. They, you know, if I'm in a good mood, everything's wonderful. If I'm in a bad mood, watch out, you know. But, but we can't live by our feelings. We live by the truth and by the word of God. And you know what? That is what God is calling us to. He's calling us to step up higher. He's calling us to trust him, whether we feel like it or not. And unity and sacrifice are part of the call. Most people, um, no, I'm not, um, 
you know, when I was thinking of this and, and praying this morning about, okay, God, you must have something really fabulous for us all, um, because I was not sure what he was going to have me say, but I thought about the sacrifice that people made. And I thought about um, Angie and, and Chewy and um, Angie's mom last night serving the, the, the young couples in our, the, the parents in our, our uh, church to offer for a date night. And they had it just perfect. And Macy came home and she said, that was amazing. Every detail was thought out and they did it all. And so I think about them. I think about, yeah. I think about Todd. Todd sets all of this up. And if you know anything about Todd, he doesn't complain. And he is a really intelligent man. He's super intelligent, much more than a pole setter-upper, or whatever this would be, a curtain setter-upper. But I think about Todd, and I think about the sacrifice he makes beyond. It's, It's well underneath him. But he serves God by serving the church so faithfully, often without help, every single week, basically. And I think about, I mean, and I know there's, a, there's all, there's so many of you that give, and there's so many of you that give of yourself. But church, I'm telling you that we are going into a season. We are, we are revivalists. We are going to see revival this year. We know that this is what God's calling us to. But it's also a time to come together and to step in and step up. It's, it's a time for us. You know, Pastor Brian taught on serving a couple of weeks ago. It's a time for us to answer the call. And you know what? You may not be able to take care of a little bitty baby, but you may be able to say hi to people and hand out bulletins. It's a time where God is calling each and every one of us to pull our weight as a family member. It's an invitation. And you know what? It's messy. It's messy. This is, there's no perfect church and there's no perfect people. And if there were, we wouldn't belong there anyway, right? So we're perfectly imperfect and we are here together and God has called us. And everything that we need is in this calling and is in where he has us. If you think, oh gosh, well, I would love to go to a church where I can find a wife or a husband or God is able to bring everything we need, everything we need. He's able to deliver to our children, even though we don't have a climbing wall, right? He's able to to do what is exceedingly and abundantly more, even though we don't have 2,000 people in youth, right? He's able to minister to those people. So unity is about sacrificing what we think in our mind is wisdom and adhering to God's wisdom. And I am telling you what, we need wisdom now more than ever before because we are being fed lies. And it is time, this wisdom will change our lives. It will change every component of our lives. We need this truth. In the first four chapters of Proverbs, it talks over and over about truth and wisdom and how it will not betray you, but our our feelings and the culture will. And so it's time for us to rise up. It's time for us not to be, that we can be polite and disagree. We can be still, we can be people who say or are not, don't shrink back because we think we're going to be persecuted. Because the Bible tells us we will be persecuted. And guess what? There's blessing in it. There's transformation in it. You know, I remember when um, one of our, our um, people in here got fired for praying 
with her client. And I was like, that is the best thing I've ever heard. And she wasn't really as excited as I was. <laughs> Can't imagine why. But I, 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 I see like this is, is our, the invitation to come closer to Jesus. The invitation to repent for and change the way we think. Repent doesn't mean you've been bad, you go sit in the corner. Repent means there is a greater way to think, and God wants to move mightily in our minds. And it's time to repent, and repent for working in our own strength. Oftentimes we wake up and we say, well, I can't do this or I can't do this because, uh, you know what, it doesn't matter. When I wake up my kids and they say, I'm tired, I'm like, so am I. Get up anyway. Let's move on. But you know what? There's a, it's a, there's a healthy dose of truth in that for all of us. Because we are in a society that the average churchgoer goes to church 1.5 times a month. There is something dead wrong. The Bible says, do not fellowship, do not forsake the fellowship. Don't forsake the gathering. Don't forsake this. Why? Because something supernatural happens when we are all together and we are worshiping. And I know you all felt it when we were singing Waymaker. God's spirit is poured out. But his spirit will not be poured out on a lukewarm generation, on a lukewarm culture. God is calling us to step up and step in and say, you know what? Sin, you've had enough of me. Whatever it is in our life, whatever is holding us back to say, sin, you are not going to dominate me anymore. You are not going to control my life. I am going to step into everything that God has. And you know why? The world is depending on us. The world is depending on us. So Philippians 1.27 says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come to see you or only hear about you in my absence, and that's Paul obviously talking, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for faith, for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. You know, my second point this morning is unity is preferring others. It's saying, not my will, but yours be done, Lord. It's about laying down our lives for each other. We don't come to church, like I said, if you're, if you're a mature believer, you're not coming to church as you're only feeding for the week. You're coming to bring life and encouragement and joy to other people. We're coming to, to be about something that is much greater than any one of us. And so unity is about preferring others. And, you know, last yesterday we I had a, we went on an amazing hike, and then we just had all these little things planned, and it was a full day. And then I had to go pick up my child, and then um, from and then take her somewhere else. And then I had to go pick up another one, and then I had to. to and, and I was like, I really just want to go home and take a nap. But you know, the call was like, no, this is what I I have to do. And then I had to go get water for the church, and just, just all these different things that none of them, just so you know, did I really want to do. I mean, the first part of the day I did, but then I was tired. So, right? But this is how it is, and then I thought, you know what, Lord, that's going to get water for your kingdom. This is getting water for your kingdom. This is what I, and I'm not saying woe is me, because, I mean, or, or I'm so great because I went and got water, but I'm saying that this is the call, and to know that the culture is saying, don't do it. Don't, if it doesn't feel good, just don't bother. But God is saying, no, we lay down our lives for one another so that the Father, that the world will know that the Father sent the Son and the, the Father loved us as much as he loves Jesus. 
That is why we are called to unity. That's why we're called to preferring others. That's why we're called to suffering, to, to, to sacrifice. And my third point is that unity requires suffering. It's not easy. But you know what? If I were to stand up here and tell you how fantastic my life had been and how I'd never really had any kind of adversity, I would be so unrelatable, you might blew me away. And so, you know, the thing is, is that suffering makes us who we are. And so when we face suffering, what does James tell us? Rejoice when you face trials of many kinds. Because this is where we get character. This is what produces perseverance. And this is where we produce what produces the hope that Jesus Christ is coming back. And he's coming back for a bride that is full of him, that is full of his truth, and that is not shrinking back to a world that is lost, dying, and super confused. He's coming back to a bride that is prepared and ready for his return. That is the unity that God is calling us to. And so, you know, I will tell you, I understand. I even woke up this morning, just as a pure confession, thinking, did I not go to church? <laughs> because I was tired. Amen. You know, because that's the, that's the flesh. We have, if we want to walk more with Jesus, if we want to see the world come to know you, to know him. If we want to see a transformed world, we have to be transformed people. Because guess what? We can't take people where we're not. And so God is calling us. He's calling us to revival. But he's calling us. And in Psalms it says, revive us again, O Lord. And so as the worship team comes, I believe that God is calling us. To walk, to ask him to revive us again. To transform us. Because it begins with us. And we can't have unity in the church if we're going home and complaining about what's not happening. If you see something that is not happening, that is not running well, it is an absolute invitation to step in and help out. Right? And it, it is an invitation to, to that God is showing you This is an opportunity for you to serve. And the enemy, on the other hand, is saying, you could probably go to somewhere where they have this problem fixed, right? Where it would be a little easier. And I'll tell you, I mean, we, I have friends that have, that have left this church because they don't want to serve. And this is not a place where you can easily hide, right? Because we're family, right? And so it, it's time, church. It's time. I encourage you. I hope you feel encouraged by this. I hope you feel awakened by this. I hope that you know how much God loves you because he is not calling us out of our complacency because he wants to convict us. He's calling us out because he wants to cleanse us and for us to be free. And so I encourage you, will you just stand? If you are in a place where you are like, all of me, Lord, revive me again, O Lord, so that the world may know that the Father sent the Son. Revive us, Lord. Transform us. We give you every cell. We're not telling you to come and join our plan. We're telling you that we're going to come and join yours. The only reason that we are left here on earth is because you want to bring your glory to a lost and dying world. And we say, use us. Use every cell that we have, mighty God. 
transform us into your image. We, we abandon all our ideas. We abandon our plan. We abandon our schemes of what we're going to do for your name. And we say, live your life through us. Glorify yourself. We decrease so that you might increase. Move mightily, Lord. We repent. Change the way we think. Change the way we operate so that we will be a people that are set apart, a city on a hill that cannot easily be put away. That we, our light will not go out because we are going to shine brightly for you. We are going to live for your glory. We will be united. We know that, Lord, you, that, that it's been said that united we stand, but divided we fall. We're not falling. We're not shrinking back. We might be struck down, but we are not destroyed. We are praising you every step of the way, even for our sufferings, because we know that they are light and momentary in comparison to the great reward that you have for us. We say, let your kingdom come. Pour out your spirit upon us. We love you. We praise you. We lift up our amazing pastor this morning, Lord God, and we lift each other up, Lord God. And you say, or I just hear you so boldly say, it's time, it's time for all of you to rise. This is not an opportunity for Pastor Brian to rise. He, he is already risen. It's a time for your church to step up and step in and be bold and walk with the power that you promise us. The power that you have given us and Lord, you promised to never leave us nor forsake us. So we ask you, be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.